<laughs> and a little yes. That's perfect. Whoa. Whoa ho. How how did I get here? I was just in the middle of teaching a wait. Where am I? Oh, hi, sweetheart. I ended the universe. You what now? I ended the universe. I decided we needed a new one. How did you... Why did you... You what now? I got a bunch of chronal energy and decided I was going to rebuild the universe from scratch. Where the heck did you get chronal energy? eBay. Well, I did ask. Sweetheart, why did you end the universe? Uh, Things were okay. Mostly. Well, I wanted a cheap coffee from the local chain this morning, and they were out of cold brew. I wanted to make a universe where no one would ever be out of cold brew. All right, move this galaxy and a happy little uh, nebula. Wait, is that all you're doing? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that you should change the universe at all, but maybe you could do some other good things? Oh, sure. Give me a sec. Oh, hey. Well, what what am I doing here? Oh. Hey, Christy, Chris, what's going on? Oh, hi, Chris Sims. Ended the universe because there wasn't enough cold brew, started rebuilding, and Christy thought I could make some more changes. So I brought you here so we could talk zero hour. Uh, cool. I was kind of working on some stuff. Would you like a tasty beverage? We have tons of, tons of cold brew, but we can make any beverage in the new universe. It'll take a bit for the planets to cool, though, so we have some time to chat. Well... You know I love a tasty beverage. Uh, do you want to talk about comics? Yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our final episode of Zero Hour. We finally counted down to zero, which means we are, you are on track, reading comics in the right order. We're doing great. <laughs> and we have here with us today special guest, Chris Sims. Hello. Welcome back to the show, Chris. I am glad to be back. I I feel like you might have mistaken my love of the results <laughs> of Zero Hour. For actually liking Zero Hour itself, which I is not the case. <laughs> I absolutely did, and you were very sweet to come on regardless. <laughs> oh, look, anytime I get to talk about my beloved, perfect uh, DC Universe circa 1994 to 2005, uh, <laughs> I, am, I am down. It's just that I did not want to read Zero Hour again. <laughs> Chris Sims, the man who is too nice to say no. <laughs> I feel like I'm 0 for 2. Last time I was like, oh, you like 90s X-Men. Surely you've read Phalanx Covenant. You're like, yeah, oh, come on. I just got to read Phalanx Covenant. <laughs> Look, I, I, the, the company is, is what I'm here for. Oh, you're very nice, Chris. Aww. So I, I just, I think I want to put this out there and see if you agree, because this is, this is your bit more than it's my bit, but, um... There has never been a crossover designed to address continuity issues that is good. No, that's that's yeah. true. <laughs> um, I have a soft spot for Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I don't know if that means it's good or not. Oh, it's not. 
I I actually got a little bit of flack about this when I wrote about it way back in um, Comics Alliance times. I wrote that Crisis on Infinite Earth is a mess. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't no. hold together as a story. Everybody just thinks it does, because George Perez drew a lot of people in that book. <laughs> <laughs> just filled it up. You yeah. know, it makes me feel so good to hear somebody else say that, because sometimes I, I read those types of events, and I'm just like, no, I'm just not smart enough or entrenched enough no. in the characters to get what's going on. If I If I just read more comics, it would make sense. But... You know, sometimes that's not the case. No, it's <laughs> yeah. often not the case. Yeah. Uh, um. The problem with the, the problem with Crisis is that it's twelve issues long, as I am sure you're aware. Yep. Uh. And like, <laughs> like the story changes like three times over the course of that. Like, wh- why are there tuning forks? What do the oh, tuning forks have to do with the story? The first time I read it, I read it really early on in reading just comics in general, assuming that it was something I needed to read early on. And I just kept going, well, okay, I'm like three issues in, but it's done. Okay, I'm six issues in, but it's done. <laughs> and it's just, no, it's never done. Yeah, they, have, they haven't even killed Supergirl yet. They haven't even <laughs> killed Supergirl yet. I think, I think Crisis is at least important to read historically. Yeah, and I, I to kind true. of like, if you're going to like superhero comics, which I do, it's it is it is the one of like three things I love. Then you need to read Crisis because that because if you can endure it, then you you know you love superhero comics. If you can be like, yeah, I, I was there when they built the two <laughs> <laughs> Um and I bring all of that up because good event comics are are few and far between in general. Yep. It's it's DC 1 million, uh, Secret Wars, the 2015 Secret Wars that, that I got work out of, and Metal. And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the good events. That's the good events. But like, I'm, I think War of the Realms is maybe going to, people are going to remember it. War of the Realms like, is actually really good. Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. good. I mean, that one literally just ended though. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too recency bias on that one, but yeah, fair, War, fair, War fair, of the fair. Realms is uh, extremely dope. Mm-hmm. But Zero Hour doesn't even have the charm and importance of Crisis. <laughs> it does not. Is what I'm getting at with all this. Like, it's it's just it's just nonsense. And I the thing that strikes me about it, and this is the thing that I always forget about Zero Hour. Dan Jurgens, Root and Drew. Mm-hmm. Dan Jurgens, the most important creator at DC Comics in the 90s, arguably. Yeah. Uh and it and I I don't want to diss Dan Jurgens because in a lot of ways I think he's underrated today, but I do think he was doing too much in 1994. <laughs> yeah, that's completely fair. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty, do we want to do the summary, Christy? Yeah, summary. Zero Hour, Number One, and Number Zero. Written by Dan Jurgens, penciled by Dan Jurgens, inked by Jerry Ordway, colored by Gregory Wright, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, edited by Mike McAvaney and Casey Carlson. Supergirl, Warrior, Steel, and Batgirl are in Coast City, California, as entropy waves have caught up with the present. The waves rip up the entire city, and Steel perishes in the fray. 
Extant stands elsewhere, confused, as none of these fissures are his doing. He is blasted from behind by our mysterious figure who tells Extant to stay out of his way. In the pocket earth of the 30th century, both versions of the Legion stand with the Time Trapper before Entropy takes the teen superheroes. Time Trapper is, however, ripped in two by an emerald blast, again from the mysterious figure. Soon, he'll become less mysterious, we promise. The superheroes in New York City prepare to split into teams to deal with the entropy waves as Power Girl goes into labor. Booster Gold and Impulse disappear as the 30th century has been consumed. The JSA Flash runs into the HQ of the JSA in Gotham City, pleading for the Spectre to help. As an entropy wave from the past consumes Jay Garrick, the Spectre swears revenge as a human hand is behind this crisis. All the heroes meet up again in New York City, only for several of them to have to beat a hasty retreat via Metron's mother box to the vanishing point. There they find Matthew Ryder and Leary Lee, the linear men that Extant subdued. To deal with the crisis, the team decides to try to convert Matthew Ryder into another Wave Rider, as the previous Wave Rider was Matthew from another timeline. He also doesn't seem to have a say in it, really. At a hospital in D.C., the elderly Starman bequeaths his power to his son David, as everything gets eaten up by entropy. Extant travels to the Chamber of the Laymen, where the remaining laymen attempt to hold back the entropy. Extant, however, annihilates them pretty easily. Many of the street-level heroes in New York try to evacuate some civilians, fruitlessly, it seems, before Extant attacks. An entropy wave happens as soon as he arrives, destroying Batman. All the heroes pile on Extant, and the new wave rider arrives. He saves the atom from being turned into goop, and instead the microscopic hero is only reduced to age 18. Superman begins to fight Extant, only to be clocked by the mysterious figure, revealed to be hero-turned-villain Hal Jordan. Parallax. He uses his power to finally end the universe, only to have plans to completely rebuild it as the scene fades to white. What a jerk. Zero Hour, number zero. Parallax uses his prodigious powers to attempt to remake the universe because he doesn't like how it's become after the destruction of his home, Coast City. Weirdly, this happens often in DC crossovers, and in DC itself. He has left several heroes alive, including his pal Guy Gardner, as well as Batgirl and our favorite villain, Extant. Guy argues with Hal about his megalomaniacal plan, saying that working with Extant means that the evil Jordan is in the wrong. Which he is regardless, I think. Parallax continues to villain-splain, this time explaining how he tightened the entropy loop surrounding all of time to destroy the universe. Neat, I guess? Back at Vanishing Point, we have some other surviving heroes, including Wave Rider, Superman, Hawkman, Green Arrow, Donna Troy, and Green Lantern. Also, for some reason, the new hero Damage is there. He is the son of the original Adam, and I bet he'll be important later. Wave Rider and company decide the best plan is to remake the universe the way it should be, and can do so given the linear men's records of time. Hal and his observers fly through his new universe as he promises everyone their own homes and worlds and cotton candy and bunnies, and, well, he's making a lot of promises and still looks mega evil. He suddenly gets zapped as Wave Rider and friends show up and pile on the punches and zaps. Extant demands that Batgirl, Warrior, and the rest help out, but Warrior attacks Extant instead. 
Good time to hold a grudge, guy. The Spectre arrives, and he and Parallax fight, spouting lines all the way. Meanwhile, Batgirl is helping Parallax because she simply wants to exist. Wave Rider directs the heroes with nebulous 90s energy powers to absorb the plasma energy of the new universe Parallax has made. Green Arrow fights with Batgirl, trying to talk her out of her course of action. Wave Rider directs the heroes to launch the energy into him, which he then channels through damage. This seems to happen a lot in DC events. Green Lantern fights against Parallax, while the villain aims a blast at damage, aiming to stop the hero from recreating the world. But Batgirl jumps in the way and is killed by the blast. Hal is low on power, and Green Lantern grabs him to subdue him, but... In a rage, Green Arrow shoots an arrow into the chest of Parallax. The Spectre claims that justice is now served, and he adds more energy to damage, and the universe turns white again as Green Lantern and Parallax disappear. The universe is remade in another Big Bang, and the fallen Batgirl and other out-of-time heroes disappear. The heroes have to jump back into the time stream at the precise moment that Parallax destroys reality and... The world is back to normal, mostly? Power Girl has also had her mystical baby, who will later age to adulthood rapidly and never be heard from again. Thank God. An angry and self-hating Green Arrow smashes his bow. And a new time trapper waits in the future, one with long flowing hair. This never really comes up. So yeah. All right. Well, as I like to address to you after we do the summary, Christy, did you like the ending two issues of Zero Hour? Well, considering the last issue was the first one that I read because I was silly, you know, I actually, reading the last one, I'm like, going back and reading the other issues, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I probably just could have read that last one. (laughs) That's probably true. So, uh, Chris, uh, on our last episode, we revealed that um, even though I, I I did give a gentle reminder, Christy started to read this it, this um, out of order in the way that you would normally do it. Um, however, it makes you read the ending first. <laughs> I I like that you, Christy, took the hit on that yourself. Like I was silly, not like DC Comics was silly. I mean, because. Chris warned me, though. So, like, as soon as I finished the issue, I'm like, this feels wrong. Chris warned me about something, and I did it wrong. (laughs) It's such a good gimmick in the moment, Mm -hmm. and such a terrible gimmick the month after the moment is over. Yes. Like, how are you going – how do you arrange these Uh, when you are, say, working at a comic book store in Columbia, South Carolina for six years – and you've got to deal with a lot of back issues. Do you, when you get to zero hour, do you do zero, one, two, three, four, or do you do four, three, two, one, zero? <laughs> and I think, uh, like, the gimmick itself of counting down is really cool. And uh, I think having all the zero issues is a really interesting idea. Because, again, they go back to that for DC 1 million. But, and, and also, maybe the best thing about this comic, the covers... Counting down oh, to that yeah. blank white cover, that's so cool. And that had, like, never been done before. Yeah, like is really Looking at it now, it's just like, oh, this is a sketch cover. <laughs> Take this to a con. Get Dan Jurgens to draw you a Batman <laughs> on it. Get him to draw you a tortured green arrow. Uh, just dealing with his emotions. I was thinking about that, too. I was like, is this completely white? Is this a sketch cover? Yeah. Uh, 
it basically (laughs) it's fantastic but it's like it makes it unless you're reading it in a paperback which was not really a thing in in 94 like no it, it is impossible to go back to if you if you don't already speak the language you know Mm-hmm. I feel like it must have been weird when I was younger. Um, I didn't have a dedicated comic book store because when I lived on the East Coast, well, I don't know. I guess we just didn't have, I'm sure they existed. We just didn't go to one. Uh, and when we moved to, uh, Missouri, it had like weird hours for like kids. Like it was open, I think, till like 4 p.m. on like several days throughout the week. And it eventually like, had to expand the hours because like no one could ever pick up comics, but any, I, I digress. I got a lot of comics from, from grocery stores and I'm trying to imagine seeing a number one of this in a grocery store and going, Oh, it's a number one and grabbing it and just being completely yeah. like <laughs> out um, of my mind confused. Although when I was a kid, I, uh, all comics felt like so impenetrable to me. <laughs> so this probably, I would have been like, sure. These are I all mean, this way. What, Everett last episode said that he read like two of this. Issue two was all he had? Issue two. And he just loved to imagine and fill in the blanks on the rest. And I'm like, that's so sweet and poetic and sounds so awful. That's just what you did sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not good, though. No, it is it is not a good comic. I I was going to ask you, Chris, but I think you'd already made your your feelings fairly clear. I was shockingly disappointed by this comic. I liked the art quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's the redeeming thing to me. I thought the colors were very good, but it was in general not like my my very favorite comic. <laughs> when I found out who the bad guy was, my eyes rolled out of my head and under oh, you're the not, couch. You're not super into Extant. <laughs> I'm not super into Extant, and also not super into Parallax. The third friggin' try for this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know who, who Extant should have been? Who should have Extant been? Captain Adam. Yeah, that would have been probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, just be like, hey, we we didn't do it in our Armageddon 2001 like we were going to, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we swerved you on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Exit sucks. I hate Parallax. I, yeah. Like, I hate... Pa- there, There is... Do you want to do an hour on how they screwed up Green Lantern? <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it our best. I mean, the short version is they gave... They gave Barry Allen the best possible death a superhero can have. Yeah. Dies saving the universe. Supergirl dies like she she takes the bullet for Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she shows up in uh, Christmas with the Superheroes number two. Uh, uncredited cameo to explain herself. <laughs> Hal Jordan just kills all his friends. <laughs> he kills all his friends. <laughs> then, like, puts on, like... Like, goes to the store and is like, hey, do you have a 90s supervillain outfit? No, I need bigger shoulders. <laughs> I mean, like, a real 90s supervillain. And then they go back and forth on... They they don't commit to anything. Mm-hmm. They don't commit to having Hal Jordan be a bad guy. Or having him be a good guy. Or, like... He's all over the map. Like, that's the thing that I don't get about people who are all mad about Kyle Rayner. Cause like, look, I've, I've read the books. Hal Jordan goes away for maybe like two years. Oh, jeez. Like total. He's back. There's time traveling Hal Jordan. Then there's parallax. Then there's zero hour. And then he becomes the specter in 19, 
99 or 2000 whenever have fun with day of judgment i will come back on for that one (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll do it but Uh, they don't they don't commit either way and they keep wanting to like like final night he comes back and he's like oh me like i'll i'll help out and start the sun again (laughs) like it's it's they they want to really have their hal jordan cake and eat it too with this (sighs) Yeah, that was, uh, so I came into comics around the time Green Lantern Rebirth was happening, and I was like, I don't know why everybody hates Hal Jordan so much. <laughs> I had to, like, <laughs> and, and, like, DC Wikia didn't exist a ton yet, but, so I kind of had to learn a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, now, I get it, I get it, oh, why'd they I, bring him back? <laughs> I will teach you. <laughs> the teach- um, I, it drove me nuts that he didn't have white sideburns in this, even though he did before this. And after, <laughs> and after, yeah. Just I'm pretty this. sure he has white. He's got the white temples in uh in uh, uh final night for sure. Yeah. Oh my god. It, uh, he turned evil and slightly older at the same time in uh, Emerald Emerald Twilight. Yeah. Okay, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, also, mm-hmm. but but you know the the white hair was just because uh, he had a space cockroach living inside his brain. <laughs> Yep. What that now? was parallax. <laughs> space oh, cock- Chrissy, do you not know about the giant yellow space bug? No, ever mentioned it last last episode. Oh, he did. Remember every every color's got a bug, got a little got oh. a little a little creature. Well, and well, parallax is the not every color color has a bug. Oh yes, no, no, yes. no, that's true. green has a whale. They do. Which <laughs> green as a whale somehow even dumber. <laughs> and uh, parallax is the fear one. Okay, yeah, hit a, yeah, yeah. Hit a bug that the phrase space cockroach I don't think was used. <laughs> no, but he is. Okay. Chris isn't wrong here. It looks <laughs> like a space cockroach. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that made him. That made him go gray early. It wasn't that he had his fortieth birthday party <laughs> in in that run, right? Which he did. Which unfortunately we can't talk about anymore. Uh, but yeah, he's bad. He's he's bad. But but here's the thing. He's also completely right <laughs> in this book. There's, like, the only reason, the only reason Hal Jordan is wrong in this book is because we know he's kind of an a-hole. <laughs> well, and yet he wants to, he wants, like, Extant to have an, a world that he can rule over, and that's kind of jerky. I mean, I feel like they just threw that in there to just get to, like, it, to convince it. us that he was right. the heel, but, like, he's talking to us, like, sounds like he wants to do some good stuff. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess he wasn't. He wasn't even trying to like take anybody's free will away. He was just like, let's just give everybody lots of happy planets, and then just kind of be done with it. But then Green Arrow was like, "You're gonna help this guy?" Or no, it might have been Warrior. Well, anyway, somebody was like, "You're gonna." Yeah, that was the that was it. That was the whole deal. Because prior to that, they were kind of like going along with it. They're like, I don't know what our other options are at this point. There's that fun scene where they're all flying through the cosmos like it's like Peter Pan. I really, I was having a, a real chuckle at that scene. <laughs> oh. It is uh, something else. I feel like this is a metaphor to some extent for the mid-2000s of DC. And I guess even to some extent of DC Rebirth, where... They have these, they, I feel like DC has this history of, oh, like we need to bring back X thing because something went terrible. And I feel like it's like almost like a meta commentary, especially with this, 
because <laughs> you know like obviously a writer <laughs> destroyed coast city and all these continuity issues were the result of a bunch of a bunch of editorial and and writing and decisions mm-hmm. and i you know, we get this again where Jeff Johns wants to bring everybody back that died in the 80s and 90s. And then in DC Rebirth, we get it with like every, you know, the new 52 is a giant mistake in universe. I, I does this is, I feel like this is like a cyclical thing with DC. I mean, maybe I'm off base here. I do think it is a, uh, it is somewhat of a problem with the, the, uh, nature of the beast, so to speak. Mm-hmm. that they keep doing stories about power-mad people trying to remake the universe in their own image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they keep remaking the universe in someone's uh, ideal image. <laughs> yeah. That we will eventually cover another crossover where almost exactly this happens again. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't feel important. Don't worry, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what I, I need to hear your thoughts on my favorite Lisa Frank Silver Surfer, the Wave Rider. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you because this this is the kind of thing that I should know, and this is the kind of thing that only I should know because I will read a '90s DC comic in a minute. Wave Rider is not Tachyon, right? Tachyon's a different guy <laughs> who looks exactly like Wave Rider. Um, shout out to friend of the show and mostly friend of the me, uh, Josh, who I was, I was talking with him about zero hour and he said, Hey, wave rider is basically almost tachyon, except tachyon's a new God. And yeah. I went, tachyon becomes high father at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all he had to say to me was it was, he's a, he's a new God's character that was not created by Jack Kirby. And that's really all you need to know about it. <laughs> yeah. He, um. But but he does look exactly like Wave Rider, which is weird. Yeah. Well, we started to think about all of the all the DC characters that have fire hair, and it is more than I would I would have expected at the start. You've got uh, like Wave Rider, Tachyon, Firestorm, Firestorm. obviously, Firehawk, Firehawk also has fire hair. That is true. Yeah. Uh, fire, yeah, <laughs> also just <laughs> fire. Hair. fire. <laughs> Um, so I, when I was having this discussion, somebody was thinking maybe Starfire, but I'm like, I don't think her hair is literally fire. She no. just has a lot of it. No, she has a sweet haircut in this one, actually. You like her haircut in this one as opposed to I mean, the, the the 80s? Yeah, but I don't know that like childish cloud. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> sakes, <laughs> calling calling out George Perez on that one. Uh, Tachyon is uh, every bit the. The finest New Gods character created by Paul Cooperberg and Aaron Lepresti. Uh, <laughs> but, like, also, Wave Rider is a time guy, and, and Tachyons are time things. They are, yeah. It's, uh, I, I hate that these characters are... <laughs> because Tachyon appears two years after this, so they already had Wave Rider. Oh, jeez. Well, I guess Wave Rider wasn't a New God, so they're like, well, we gotta figure something out. I love the storyline solution of Wave Rider getting killed so they make another Wave Rider. Yeah. It is literally like... like The biggest example of just a throwaway death. Yeah. Oh. And it's the same guy, just from a different universe, who seems to kind of not have a say in the matter. They don't ever ask him, hey, do you want to become this this being the Wave Rider? He even says, I don't know about messing with time. And they're all like, nope. (laughs) 
yeah. making making you into Next the wave panel, rider. surfing in. And he's just he's just back. And it seems like he's never been gone. And he seems to know everybody the same way. You know, he he's heard a lot from everybody from the original wave rider, so there's not that awkward getting to know you period. Yeah, unfortunately his name is like Wave Riderson or whatever it is, so he kind of has no choice in the matter. Matthew Ryder. Yep. Yep. It's already in the name. It's spelled the same way. Oh, but that's so comic booky. They love doing that. <laughs> Matthew is actually short for Matthew Wave. <laughs> in in this book. Uh boy. Buddy. Yeah, like But the thing is, Hal Jordan's not wrong. He's not right. And, and I feel like what we should get in Zero Hour is there should, like, it makes too much sense for, for the thing to go down in number zero, right? The, the the big thing. But, like, there should have been an issue in, like, Hal Jordan's goofed up DC universe where he's getting stuff wrong. Which is, I, I think, just the DC universe 2005 to 2011. <laughs> it's the universe where everything is wrong all the time. Yeah, that's true. But like, wouldn't that have made more sense if we were given like a tangible reason? If everybody just kind of, like, again, like Secret Wars 2015, if everybody just kind of wakes up in Hal Jordan's universe and and Krypton hasn't exploded and, and Batgirl... Which we got put a pin in Batgirl because we're gonna come back to what happens to <laughs> yes. her in number zero. We, def- we definitely need to, um, especially like the dangling threads. But anyway, uh, like yeah, and and Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, and like you have to have these heroes kind of make this. You you have to have the heroes come to that moment of like, hey, do we like wh- what do we lose if we go back to the the way things are? Because I mean, like as you said from. Your experience uh, remaking the universe, there's a lot I would change right now about 2019. Uh, just just a ton. Yeah, I, I, I so uh, to peek behind the curtain, I have to write those. And I'm like, well, I can't just say that remaking the universe is always a good idea. But I had to write that line for you where you're like, things are mostly okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. And they're not. You know, I would be, uh, I would, I would absolutely be on uh triumph side in this one i'm the triumph of this story no remake it start it over <laughs> throw it in the trash throw it in the trash let's start it over again uh, yeah we kind of need the it's a wonderful life we need the bit. house the house of Did m it? beginning yeah. yeah i mean that yeah. too yeah cuz uh, like all of those stories you know like i am not like a huge fan of of like House of M, but like it's a compelling beginning to the story, and you get to do good stuff with it. Like uh, like the Captain America issue is is mm-hmm. really good. The the Spider Man is a pro wrestler married to Gwen Stacy is a really interesting <laughs> idea, and he's a and he's a bald jerk. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah, he's got he's got that that uh, pro wrestler shaved head. Yep, Triple P, Peter <laughs> P. Parker. Uh, but like we don't ever get any tangible reason in this book why why Hal is wrong. Because he even says, he's like, look, I have all of the knowledge of the Guardians who record literally everything. I can, I can that is in my head because I am a, a super Green Lantern god right now. So I can just go through it and like 
change what we need to change and and we'll be fine. We never get a reason why that is a bad idea. He even says, like, I I could keep Krypton from exploding, which is billions of lives that he would yeah. be saving. Mm-hmm. That specifically the Green Lanterns failed to prevent. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in some ways he's kind of doing the ultimate Green Lantern thing or like what their what their mission statement should be. Yeah. And it's it and I actually think it's interesting that he is doing this from a place of this is this is post Emerald Twilight Hal Jordan. This is kind of his first big thing after Emerald Twilight, right? Mm-hmm. If memory serves. I think so. He is this is a Hal Jordan who's like, hey, I mess things up really bad, but I can go fix it. And like in that respect, Hal is the protagonist of this story. Not just in that he is the the force driving the plot, but that he like he is attempting to forge himself a redemption arc, and we just have Superman being like, no, bad idea, for no reason, and we only we have to take his word because he's Superman, which Jurgens is a better Superman creator than that. Like I said, like I don't I don't know if Jurgens should have been like the guy in DC in the nineties, but He's a good Superman writer at the time. Like Death of Superman, uh, the thing the thing I always say, I probably said it last time I was on this show. Nightfall is the story that starts off really really good and then gets unforgivably stupid. Mm-hmm. And Death of Superman is the story that starts off and you think it's going to be really bad because it's Superman and a bone monster punching each other to death. And then it gets really good. And it gets really good because of Jurgens, because of Carl Kiesel, because of uh, Louis Simonson and Jab Bandanov and like everybody who was working on those books at the time, like Jurgens is better than this. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgens is better than having to like try and fix the Legion for the third time in ten years. Right. Oh man, I'm so glad that uh, we managed to get an explanation of w- what was going on with the Legion at this point because it is. It, it, if you are just reading Zero Hour, like you have no idea why there are two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do, how much Legion have the two of you read? So I've read, a, a, my dad collected the Legion, like that was his comic. So I've read a decent amount of Silver Age stuff. And then he even collected into the, the mid eighties. So a lot of that sort of stuff. And that's kind of it. None. Okay. <laughs> Literally zero. <laughs> uh, I do think you should know that ever since at least this comic, the deal with the time trapper literally every time he shows up is we're going to reveal who the time trapper is. <laughs> right. And he's every and time. Always, and it's always a different person. Yes. I don't Which understand. Is, yeah. It's it's because they keep remaking the universe. So, <laughs> the time oh, so just, every time. It, okay. That makes sense. I'm well, just, <laughs> let's not give it too much credit. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense is a big, <laughs> it's a big ask. It is a big ask. Um, so the end of this comic, well, uh, we should probably let you go if you're if you are uh, wanting to go into your Barbara Gordon dialogue. There's something I wanted to, to end on. Uh, do, do either of you uh, do either of you want to talk about this? Oh, because... about Barbara Gordon going. I literally just want to exist, and everybody right? going. No, I think like I'm reading this and going. I think Barbara should be allowed to exist. I don't think that's a hard ask. Right. So instead, she she dives. She sacrifices herself for the cause to prevent her to prevent herself from existing. And she her dying words are, "I just want to live." Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and Hal Jordan 
shoots her through the spine? Shoots Batgirl oh, through the spine? Oh, it is through the... I thought it... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't read that. As, that's 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 nasty. Oh. It's, a, it's a real... It's that it's that George Lucas clip. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Oh. It's... This book is Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway. They are both so much better than those. <laughs> Chris isn't mad. You're He's just disappointed. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> you do seem to have kind of a re- like a reproving parent tone, Chris, where Dan and Jerry bring back like an F paper, but they're usually pretty good in the class. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, talk to me. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, or, like, Ordway is, like, I think Power of Shazam, the the OGN has come out at this point. Mm-hmm. I I think Power of Shazam, it doesn't start with Zero Hour, because there's only one, there's only one successful series to start out of Zero Hour, and that's Starman. Yes. <laughs> that was a fun explain. You were like, okay, who's this, who's this guy? I'm like, oh, that's Starman, he's giving... Was it? What's the name of it? The star? Uh, it's the the cosmic rod. The cosmic, the cosmic rod. rod. Oh my god! That's right. You had a real giggle about the cosmic rod, and you're like, "Oh, he's giving it to his son." I'm like, "That guy's gonna die in like one issue." Yeah, that guy, like, which is great. <laughs> yeah, There's David, definitely. I'm sorry. Continue, Chris. David Knight. Uh, th- the entire deal with that book is that David Knight uh immediately dies after <laughs> one panel of being Starman, and then the other. Uh, guy and that the other guy that we see in Zero Hour who's like, I don't want to be Starman. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what he does for the next eighty issues? Right. Uh, we were just talking like if it was if it was a movie that moment like seeing that moment you would know right away. Oh, that guy's gonna die. That guy's gonna be Star because it's just it's just perfect foreshadowing set up in there. But you only get one panel of it, so it doesn't. You can you can kind of read past it, but looking back at it, I'm like, oh, of course, of course, that's what's gonna happen. Oh man, it's 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 so poorly set up in this. But like, which again is like, it's three levels of continuity fixing, right? Because mm-hmm. you crisis comes along, and crisis is like, no, there's no more Earth two. All of the Golden Age stuff happened in the 40s, the 30s and 40s of the DC Universe. But that means the DC Universe can't have Superman at the start of things, so I guess it has Iron Monroe instead. So that's Crisis. Then it's like, well, well, wait, we still want the those characters to have adventures. And they would be like, you know, they'd be getting on in the years at this point. Like, they'd be 70, right? Like, if if, if the Flash is 20... In, in, when he becomes, when Jay Garrett becomes the Flash, if he's 20, that means he's born in 1918. So in, in 98, he's 80 years old. Right. And he probably shouldn't be a superhero. So they have to come up with another reason. It has to be like, oh, well, um, they got trapped in time for a hot minute and they were magically made young. And then in Zero Hour, it's like, okay, but we don't actually want to have all these old people running around being superheroes. <laughs> So yeah, this has to be olded up. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we're going to take away all the aging. Uh, except for Alan Scott, because Alan Scott has the star heart, because he's not going to be Green Lantern anymore. He's going to be Sentinel. So there's so... 
And that's just dealing with why Starman happens. (laughs) (laughs) Why Starman exists. Yeah. It's, like, it's so, it's so messy. Like, every patch requires three patches. Right. And that's, a lot of their, uh, DC has never quite managed to wrap it up in a pretty bow. And they they try to do this a bunch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Hypertime was maybe the best best solution. Oh, Hypertime was in fact the best solution. It's so good. So Christy, Hypertime is basically everything's true. It's the Han Solo line from The Force Awakens. It's true, all of it, mm. and it's just they just you just kind of go with it. Every every. You know, I can buy it. You have to buy so much stuff reading comics. Just like suspend your disbelief and just accept that it happened and it's true. And we could just do that. We don't need to <laughs> explain it all, rewrite the universe a dozen times. Yeah, I actually think, like, the sort of in-continuity explanation for Hypertime, like, the, the one that they give you on the page where it's like, oh, it's – because it's the simplest thing. It's it's like a river. Mm-hmm. And every now and then it'll split off into a stream, and maybe that stream goes off on its own, and that's Kingdom Come. Or maybe the, you know – Maybe you get a stream and then it joins up with another river and then that comes back in and that's Shazam. Like, that makes sense because it's, it's fake. It's all made up. It's all fake. <laughs> and, and it also, it doesn't work. Like, doing hard continuity patches like Crisis and like Zero Hour and like Flashpoint, uh, if you want to get into that. Oh, we yes. have. We have. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work. Because you are inevitably going to have creators who come in and they want to make different things work. And you're inevitably going to have the stories that you want to be touchstone stories forever. This is... uh, Okay, I'm going to give you a good example and a bad example. Mm -hmm. Morrison on Batman. Morrison on Batman says everything happened. Yes. And everything pretty much happened in, like, over 75 years. <laughs> like, somebody asked him how old he was, thought Batman was, and he's like, 75? <laughs> Robin's 74? <laughs> yeah. You know, the, club, the Club of Heroes happens. Robin Dies at Dawn happens. It all happens. And that doesn't work. It's, I mean, it works in the context of that run, but if you look at the larger the larger run on Batman, it doesn't because you have to be like, okay, well, Batman's been Batman for 10 years and then then No Man's Land happens, which is a full year that we get in real time. So that means 11 years. And then another year passes, so it's like 12 years. And so for a while, DC was on this kind of like 12-year t- sliding timescale. Mm-hmm. And like, that stuff doesn't work. Like, well, then why is Robin 25? <laughs> why is why is dick grayson 25 like how long was jason todd uh and and then when you drop it back to five years like they did with the new 52 it doesn't work even more the other thing is people say you know you know krypton comes back this is this is a john's line this is a john's line because why would we not pick on jeff johns it's required (laughs) it's punching up at this point uh there's this moment i i think it's it's in like infinite crisis or something where like uh batman looks at superman he's like you know the last time anyone cared about you was when you died (laughs) and it's like okay that's true in the real world where that was the last time anybody was interested in superman comics like other than us (laughs) 
That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing. The death of Superman is an extremely post-crisis pre-zero hour story. Because the death of Superman happens because of, uh, like, the way he comes back is through the Kryptonian gestation matrix that uh, Kelix puts him in, which is from from Man of Steel. It's the John Byrne, it's the rocket. It's, right. It's the John Byrne rocket. That's in, that's in Death of Superman. It's a key point of Death of Superman. If Death of Superman happens, Superman comes back to life because of the John Byrne rocket. Yeah. But... Jeff Johns had also done a run that says none of that stuff happened. And so it makes cracks. Everything makes cracks. And you can either be like, yeah, there's cracks. There actually aren't cracks. It's currents. It's, it's just currents. currents. <laughs> yep, just different Or parts. you have to, you know, do the New 52 and be like, hey, we're going to start everything over. But everything's been around for five years. But but also Green Lantern isn't going to change. And also Batman's not going to change. But in like a year, Batman's going to change. Right. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Morrison was like, I'm going to completely ignore New 52 and just keep writing my Batman Incorporated <laughs> stuff. Because, I mean, because, quite frankly, what was selling at DC at the time? Yeah, like, that's true. For, for all for all of, of my griping, Green Lantern was selling. So why would you change Green Lantern? Like, if you're, if you're Jeff Johns and your best-selling book is, is Green Lantern and you're rebooting the universe, you're going to be like, hey, we can probably leave that one alone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's zero hour is made of that. <laughs> it's distilled. It's the it's the whiskey of continuity trying. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think is why why Marvel Universe storytelling feels so much different than than DC Universe storytelling. Uh, because I do think you know, for as much as they are two publishing companies that are working in the same field, that have been mostly created by the same people for the past 50 years. Uh, there is a fundamental like underlying difference in how those universes are made. Right. And one of the things that the Marvel universe has is, yeah, it actually all happened. Uh, <laughs> and even the stuff that didn't happen happened. Cause the, like, you know, there, there is somewhere out in the Marvel universe. There is a world where Gwen Stacy became spider woman, you know? And it's Earth-65 because 65 looks like GS when you write it in comic book font. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. Oh, no, you're, you're good. You're good. Oh, I was disagreeing. And, and, like, you get mild patches, right? Like, you get the, the hard patch stuff doesn't work in the Marvel Universe. It doesn't take. Mm-mm. Like, Spider-Man Chapter 1. Chapter 1 did not take. Chapter 1 was another world. <laughs> <laughs> chapter one was when the spider-man books were taking place on earth z for a minute <laughs> uh but you get stuff like uh again the aforementioned secret wars which is not like a continuity patch comic but it is a comic that when it ends it goes hey this is actually the eighth iteration of the universe which we know because galactus has been a survivor of the previous universe for the entire time that he has existed as a character and once you have that ingrained, you can be like, oh, yeah, like, everything was remade after Secret Wars, but, like, nothing, like, like things might have changed, but not so as you'd notice. Like, right. like Captain America dresses like he's in a movie now, I guess. <laughs> Less fabric, more armor, it's fine. Yeah. But you get, like, every problem with what I've been talking about happens in Zero Hour, and happens 
because of Zero Hour. And one of the the only thing you can give to it is the is the same thing as kind of the only thing you can give to Crisis. They did commit. They committed to it. Like they stuck with the post Crisis DC universe. Uh, and Zero Hour is just kind of like you know a a software update on that. They they committed to it for a really long time uh, until they decided they weren't going to, and then everything fell apart. <laughs> right. Um, and you see, you said you seem to enjoy some of the stuff spinning out of it. Oh yeah, I actually like um the the way the universe is structured post Zero Hour. I think is it's my favorite iteration of the DC universe because it is a universe that's kind of built on the idea of heroic legacy, which is not something that you really get from Marvel, it is a distinctive thing from the DC universe uh, Mm -hmm. because you have, you know, you have this idea baked in very early on that there's a second flash, a second green lantern. There's a second Robin. There's, uh, you know, Batman dresses like Batman because Thomas Wayne dressed like Batman. Like all of these things that are kind of unrelated stories come together as a theme and they form this idea of, Oh, the DC universe is about, traditions and legacy and like what it means to to uphold a heroic legacy and those are very compelling stories and it's not something you get at marvel because at marvel legacy characters don't really exist or they only exist temporarily yes you get stories where like jim rhodes iron man for for about a year i think like full time uh but it's never like it's if you go back and read those issues, it's like never a question that Tony's eventually going to come back. And then when he does, you know, you don't, when you think of Jim Rhodes, you don't think, Oh, Iron Man. You no. think, Oh, War Machine. <laughs> right. That's, that's what he graduates to. Mm-hmm. If you think of Tim Drake, you don't think, Oh, Red Robin, where I get those hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> you think, Oh, he's Robin. He's, he's Robin three. Robin. I, 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 <laughs> uh, and I think that really set the DC universe apart and it let them do really good stuff. Like Flash is a book about that. JLA is a book about that. Obviously, 80 issues of Starman are about figuring out what it means to step into the role of your father and of a father. Uh, and I think you get really interesting stuff. Like the way that Flash goes is Flash is about like living up to and surpassing your father figure, uh, but also like carrying on his memory. And Starman is a book where at the end of the day, Jack Knight has a kid and stops being a superhero because he wants to, because he's just going to be a dad because his dad was never around because his dad was a superhero. And those are both very valid takes on that idea of legacy and, and carrying stuff on. And all of that happens because you get it all compressed through through uh crisis through zero hour and it works really well and it makes the dc universe feel like it has this rich history uh and it it makes a place for new characters because if you again if you're marvel comics and you introduce uh jim rhodes Mm -hmm. as iron man uh, and and on through to today with you know if you introduce jane foster as thor or sam wilson as captain america we all know it's temporary. It's temporary. But in from 1987 to 
when it starts to go south around 2005, 2006, if you were introduced as the new Green Lantern, you were Green Lantern. Like, Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern for 20 years. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know, Wally West was the Flash. He graduated. He became the Flash for, you know, for 1986 or 1987 to 2007. Uh, Barbara Gordon was Oracle almost exactly as long as she had been Batgirl. Oh, that's true. It's like, it is literally a matter of months uh, in the difference. It's, it's like that to me is like the pyramids versus the pyramids and Cleopatra thing. It's like a period of time. I would have never thought was equal. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, because it's not a thing you think about because in the nineties, DC had that, and and what that does is it gives the universe a sense of forward momentum. It gives the universe a sense of things change. Like, obviously, you know, we, the Batman has to get back to status quo at the end of, if not your issue, if not your story arc, the end of your run. Somebody else is going to, somebody else is going to come on and they're going to advertise it as, a return to greatness, a back to basics approach, a great jumping on point. And that's fine. But then it, it's frustrating for longtime readers, right? Because you end up seeing the same things over and over. The DC universe in the nineties at least had the illusion of this is the new guy. And we're going to get behind this guy or, or, or this person, this character and commit to this character as the new person and then everything changes in the mid 2000s and it goes they they pull the lever and it goes backwards and yeah as i have written about the the downside of that is that in the 90s uh in the 80s and 90s a lot of characters were created by people who were a lot more conscious of the fact that they needed to create a more diverse cast so in the 2000s you get the unintentional but very real side effect of DC comics being a book where a bunch of uh, non-white superheroes get violently murdered and replaced by white people. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. And it is very antithetical to the, the forward, the one good thing, the one undeniably good thing to come out of crisis and zero hour and, and stories like that. Like uh, death of Superman happens, right? Mm-hmm. And we know none of those characters are going to be the new super Superman. Right. But we do get a new Superboy and we do get steel. And That's those are true. two new characters and Superboy becomes a legacy character in a really interesting way. And like, that's, that's a thing that you got then. Of course, we also got Supergirl who, you know how Supergirl is Superman's cousin? We do. Yes. Do you know how Supergirl is actually not Superman's cousin? She's a protoplasmic matrix from another dimension created by that dimension's Lex Luthor who comes to this dimension. And then she has sex with Lex Luthor to Lex Luthor's son, who is actually Lex Luthor in a clone body pretending to be Australian. And then she bonds with a girl who was sacrificed to Satan and becomes an angel. And then she moves to IDW. <laughs> <laughs> as As one does. Yeah. That's post-crisis Supergirl. Not great. Not great. But, the return to but, Supergirl's cousin, I think is, I think that was a good move. <laughs> yeah. Like that one, I'll give them. I'll give you that one. <laughs> they get <'Cause>, one. <laughs> yeah. Cause Matrix didn't make sense. <laughs> like Superboy kind of makes sense. And, and I'm getting so far afield, but this is all stuff of the era, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like Superboy number zero comes out, I think between Superboy four and five. So again, like Aquaman, Superboy, uh, uh, there are a couple other books. Robin, I think, uh, had all started beforehand, but they were very close to the beginning when zero hour hits. So they have z- their, their zero issues are very close to the start. Fate, I think might've been one of them, but nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares about Jared Stevens, the man called fate. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you get all these characters. I, wow. I completely lost track of what I was saying because I was thinking about Jared Stevens, the man called fate. I apologize. <laughs> That's Okay. Where was I coming with this? I was talking about Supergirl. I was talking about... Uh, you're talking about Supergirl and the zero issue of Superboy and why Superboy is actually kind of an interesting concept that works. Oh, yeah. Super, that's, Superboy's an interesting comic because or concept because one of the things they commit to is Superman as a brand identity, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're going to establish Superman as a brand, then we need to not dilute it. So they get rid of everything. Supergirl comes back one year later. Supergirl comes back in 1988. <laughs> yeah, we get we get Matrix back, uh, but the concept of Superboy, uh, the Connell Superboy, the clone Superboy, is he's a he's a he's Superman. If Superman wasn't raised by the Kents, and instead he was raised by a bunch of Jack Kirby characters, but also he knew about Superman and kind of had like kind of had that hanging over him. And what do you do when you're a teenager with Superman powers, but you don't really have any identity of your own. And if you read the early issues of Superboy, he's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Superboy is a really good comic because they were, um, Carl Kiesel and Tom Grummet were willing to make him not like reprehensible, but like, he's a jerk. Uh, and we, it's like, oh, of course he would be. He do, like he doesn't know any better. <laughs> we commented in the last issue at the end of the world, he hits on somebody, and we thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, because because what would you do if you're a teenager with Superman powers? <laughs> yeah, that's what you would do. And I think like that, you get that journey really good, and then the 2000s come, and his journey becomes that he's sad, and he wears a black T-shirt. He does, and he gets which, rid of his cool hair. He gets rid of his cool hair. He gets rid of his cool jacket. I love that 90s Superman co- or Superboy costume. You cannot tell me that costume does not rule super hard, even though he has two belts on his right calf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that costume. Uh, when they're re- with the recent Young Justice, the that uh, variant cover with the meme where it was uh, Superboy walking away. It's mm. one of my favorites. Um, before we get into accolades... Before we get into the questions. Twitter questions. Um, this is what editing's for. Before we get into Twitter questions, I have to ask you, Chris, why was Barbara Gordon the time trapper at the end, end of this, and why do they never do anything about it? Buddy, I don't even know. I have, That is wild to me. That's like, um, that's up there with, with so there's, there's crossover mysteries that I kind of collect. This is one of them. Who's the hairy guy uh, in the corner in Final Crisis? Things like that, I just feel like <laughs> maybe we'll never know. I was wondering if you had any extra insights. But I, I read that Jurgens was like, oh, you know, a woman with red hair who maybe just died, and we'll who knows what's going to happen with that. And I'm like, nobody, Dan! Yeah, no one knows. 
that that's kind of an interesting idea though. Uh I think it would have been kind of cool. It's a shame that they just decided to never do anything about it. It's an interesting idea in ways that Pandora was not an interesting idea. Oh, yeah. Pa- Pandora was bad. Except for the Trinity of Sin. <laughs> yep, that's it. That, so that I thought counts. you were tr- getting ready to segue into accolades. We do accolades, then Twitter questions. Oh, okay. Accolades is next. Accolades. Chris, did you prepare some, or are you going to be our fun peanut gallery for when we say our accolades? I will be your fun peanut gallery. All right. Okay. Accolades. Accolades. All right, Christy, what is your best line? My best line comes from Spectre talking to Hal Jordan, and he says, Emerald hypocrite, you've condemned an infinite number of souls to death. I, I just loved Emerald hypocrite. Emerald hypocrite. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna be talking, and at some point, you're gonna call me an emerald hypocrite. I feel like <laughs> be saying something goofy. So my best line is is Green Arrow channeling me reading occasional DC comics, which is so we didn't we didn't get into this, but the hero damage just shows up because they love complicated <laughs> solutions to things. We've read three, three crossovers from DC, Chris, where at some point some people channel energy, shoot it through another person, that person shoots it through another person, and then something happens. It happened in War of the Gods, it happened in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it's happening here, and I'm frankly kind of sick of it. Did it happen in Flashpoint? Does it happen in Flashpoint? I don't know, but maybe they it does. Cha- I thought they channeled ener- energies through the... Never mind. <laughs> it happens a lot. And... uh Green Arrow is wondering why, or after Damage is wondering why he's there. He's there for a couple panels where he shoots his energy to make the universe. It's a lot of energy. Um, We're all kind of wondering why Damage is there. <laughs> damage, you're not, you're not alone. Green Arrow says, "Yeah, well, what's my reason? I really hate this cosmic stuff." It's like, same, buddy, same. Uh, I, I really like this panel of uh, old Jay Garrett going. Is that all this was about? Death? <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> it turns out. Yes. <laughs> Anytime there's a crisis, a bunch of people die. Okay, so greatest hero. It's gotta be Batgirl, right? I didn't I give think, it to Batgirl I and I'm regretting it. Tra- well, I didn't originally until I was, you know, getting ready for this. And I was just like, no. No, it's gotta be her. The tragic hero. I mean... Christy always always gives it up for the tragic hero. And I mean, if you die, you're probably going to get greatest hero. That's like your consolation prize. <laughs> you were mentioned in a podcast. <laughs> uh, I like that. I thought that the newest wave rider was the greatest hero for being such a good sport. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to turn you into a cosmic being. We don't care if you want to be or not. <laughs> but I'm starting to wonder if Chris is Chris's greatest hero that you kind of mentioned earlier of Hal Jordan doing his best to remake the universe is maybe something that I should have thought about more. I mean, look, he he recognized that he goofed and he tried to fix it. That's true. What as we more know, do you want from him? It was maybe the best he's been. <laughs> perhaps and, and ever. Again, again, the only reason that they're like uh like no we can't let him do this is that they know how jordan sucks <laughs> he's going to do something bad 
All right. Um, uh, coolest moment. What is your coolest moment? My coolest moment is the the panel where Wave Rider rides in because he has like this Lisa Frank power beam where it's just a billion <laughs> rainbow colors and I love it so. Oh, uh, my coolest moment. I I loved the page of Hal Jordan standing over Superman, who I believe he's just just punched. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was. It looked really powerful and cool and fun and like. It was hard to find a coolest moment with this comic for me because I didn't think very much of it was very cool. I mean, this does have some Lisa Frank colors in the background, too. I gotta, I, I feel like whoever, I say whoever colored this, we literally just credited them. But I love the colors in this comic. I oh, think yeah. it is by far the best part of the craft. <laughs> you know, I, they, they, they uh, made chicken salad out of chicken poop, as uh, they would say in wrestling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean this like the the creative team on this book, uh, it's it's Dan Jorgens writing mm-hmm. and doing layouts. Uh, Jerry Orway draws it. Gaspar Saldiano letters it like the the DC Comics letterer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely uh, should have been like really really good. Yeah, it's absolutely not though. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, can I say my uh, coolest moment? Absolutely, Chris. My coolest moment is when uh when. Green Arrow shoots an arrow at Hal Jordan, and then the arrow hits Hal Jordan, and Green Arrow's like, no! (laughs) What did you think was going to happen? You shot him with an arrow! In the heart! And he he gets so mad later that he breaks his bow. That panel of him, like, you know, doing his uh, Phantom of the Opera, his his JoJo pose at the end, uh, is very good. Yeah, that was that was really good too. I liked that sequence. I'm kind of a sucker for a for a sequence of of no words, especially a sequence <laughs> of no words and shadows. <laughs> uh, I have a I have a great comic book series. You're gonna love it. It's called Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've heard of it and not read it ten times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> totally fair. Uh, Christy, I want to say my silly villainy. Can oh, I say my silly please, villainy? Sure, silly villainy. Um, Hal Jordan taking everybody on a Willy Wonka esque ride through his new cosmos and kind of explaining what he's doing to them, and they all just are kind of floating along. I was really waiting on one of them to make like a selfish decision and turn into a blueberry, and then <laughs> that would just kind of kind of be that for them. Maybe that's what happens to Barbara Gordon. <laughs> she's that's why she's, she's wearing that big robe, the big time travel robe. <laughs> She got Veruca salted. <laughs> oh, uh, my! This, I guess this is a little bit of a silly villainy. Mine kind of, or a little bit of a daily double. Sorry, my Crusher Creel award for silly villainy goes to Hal Jordan uh, for telling everybody you should appreciate the opportunity to see this. Oh man, it's <laughs> <laughs> like something your boss would say. You're right. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that that's that's like I th- feel like how they really tried to tell us that that Hal was in the wrong. He was just being such a jerk about right? everything. Right. <laughs> uh, Chris, do you have a silly villainy? I mean, the entire story. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the entire story is, is some silly villainy. It was so yeah. easy last issue to come up with stuff that Extant did that was just silly, like absorbing his past self and. <laughs> Everything like that. Extant maybe would win again this issue for just like being reduced to like a like s- lowest of the low kind of jobber. Mm. Uh, I I do think I also enjoy uh, 
Parallax's little PowerPoint presentation <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> where he's like, he's like, as superheroes, we're focused on solving the day-to-day problems, <laughs> but what if I told you? Uh, it's, 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 thank you for coming to my interdimensional TED talk. <laughs> and he, I mean, he does seem to have like uh, like visual aids and everything. He's moving stuff around. I just imagine a little headset. What a doofus! He's <laughs> a real goof. Uh, do you want a free Disney vacation? Just come to my presentation. <laughs> oh, Hal Jordan's timeshare presentation. I don't. I do not want it. How many timeshares do you think Hal Jordan has bought in his life? I think it's like 30. (laughs) He is just the right age, and I feel like just kind of temperament that he would fall for them so hard. But one week I can be in Florida, and then somewhere else. I think he just lives in timeshares. Like when he used to be a trucker, and he would put his truck out in space when he had to go do space stuff, he'd just fly his truck out to orbit and leave it there. Spend the weekend at a timeshare. All right. Well, let's get into our Twitter questions for this week. Our first one is going to come from a friend near Ravel who asks, Hawkman, just Hawkman, why? (laughs) I'm going to give my answer of, I have no idea, because they made it seem like he was going to be important to this crossover, and then he ultimately wasn't. Yeah. Uh, That is, you just summarized the entire history of Hawkman. (laughs) Why is he important? He's not. Um. That, that, that was a very quick one. Thank you, Nier, for a quick question. Uh, next question comes from another friend of the show, uh, Dan Grote at Daniel P. Grote. Uh, DC's gone back and forth on the whole multiverse hypertime thing, and now they've doubled down on it with the dark multiverse that spun out of metal. What yes. does a good story need to maintain this massive sandbox while remaining accessible to new readers? Hmm. I I have an answer. I I think it would be better than ours. (laughs) Uh, Here's the thing. Like people, like average people, like non, not necessarily comics reading people, like civilians, (laughs) as we used to call them when I was working at the comic (laughs) store. Did you really call them that? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Uh, Because you, you because it's a, it's better than saying non-obsessives, which is what we were. I mean, Um, (laughs) right. People love continuity and they love alternate universes. They love it. They didn't think they did, but then a uh, movie where you had to see 21 other movies to watch it made a, like $400 billion. Uh, and absolutely. everybody loves alternate universes. Everybody loves it. Uh, the most popular comic book properties in media are like... The Marvel movies, and then I, I, I maybe, I maybe being too, uh, too gracious, but then like the the CW family of shows, I would say, yeah, I think those they are more do Elseworlds and Crisis and like a bunch of stuff. Like they had, they had the Nazi planet. They did. <laughs> They're doing Crisis on Infinite Earths in December, and there are hints that some wild people are coming back in. Oh it. yeah, I I know about I know about Bruce, old Bruce Wayne. Uh, I'm what pretty excited about Tom it. Tom Welling is Superman. I'm gonna die. <laughs> Tom Welling and Brandon Routh. Yeah, Brandon Routh, a person who who's plays... already on those shows. <laughs> as the, yeah, as Kev, there's the Adam. Goodness sakes, yeah, um, people. Okay, people love 
that episode of Star Trek where uh, they, they go to the mirror universe. And that is like such a touchstone in pop culture. Like if you see a character with a goatee, like you know what it means. And that's <laughs> not just like a super nerdy thing. People love coffee shop AUs. Everybody loves alternate universes. And all you have to do is say, okay, well, this is what it's like in the regular universe. But what if it was like this? And that's what makes the dark multiverse so brilliant. Because A, it's on the other side of the map. It is. You flip the whole <laughs> thing over. Black. And B, it's it's defined as being bad ideas. It, it is fantastic. Um, yeah. Metal rules. <laughs> oh, metal's, metal is... I don't know if it's the best DC crossover, because DC 1 million, pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, metal is... I, I mean, we're all a little metal. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, I, uh... Yeah, I th- anyway, just, point being, just go for it. Yeah, people I th- will, people I will jump. We'll get it. People love it. Uh, actual member of this podcast, Christina Edelman, loves a checklist. Oh, a, a reading reading list, reading order checklist. And yeah. what what are the Marvel movies if not just a giant checklist? Oh yeah, yep. Oh, can we? Um, since you brought it up, can we talk about the checklist that we get at the end of this uh, this comic? Uh, it's just all zero issues. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's talk about the new comics that we had launching out of uh, launching out of Zero. We had Primal Force. Yes, uh, we. Ha- I think New Titans was also one because because the Atom gets uh, turned into specifically an eighteen year old <laughs> right? in this comic. They can they they can eyeball it at eighteen. Yeah, yep. yeah. Tachyon looks at him. He's like, mm, "You're legal." <laughs> Kinda, and it's weird. Uh, and this was a Dan Jurgens Titans book too. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but uh, I remember reading about it because uh, I, I th- it was either House Ads or it was in Wizard, and it was Dan Jurgens talking about his new character, and he's like, "Yeah, this is Risk. He's got five times the strength, five times the speed, five times the ability to get into trouble." <laughs> and i'm like heck yes love that dude uh then he got his arm torn off in infinite crisis uh infinite crisis is rough <laughs> we have fate mm-hmm. uh which is the jared stevens book which again i don't like the timeline of fate is weird because there's fate and there's book of fate and there's fate number zero uh let's see what else do we have xeno brood Everybody's favorite uh, book. Xenobrood? That is literally a combination of the Xenomorph and the Brood. Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> which are which are the Xenomorphs? Yeah, which are already the, that's already the same thing. <laughs> uh, Gunfire number zero was in here, but that's not where Gunfire started, because Gunfire comes out of Bloodlines. <laughs> oh, uh, goodness. Anima. That one also didn't work. Uh, damage. Came da- out of this. Damage, our boy. <laughs> uh the dark stars who i think their only big contribution to the universe was uh kate spencer stole one of their outfits for her manhunter costume and they're soon going to be starring in a miniseries in uh with grant morrison's green lantern great <laughs> thrilling uh and that's it like what's what's weird about this did i just oh no there it is uh, uh and starman Yes, uh, comes out in week two and is by far, it's 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 the hitman of zero hour. 
Hitman colon bloodlines colon colon Starman colon zero hour. Goodness. Um, so friend of the show and friend of the me and my, my, my writing partner, Robert Secundus asks, what do y'all, what do y'all folks think about the new reversion to hypertime in doomsday clock where specifically hypertime is devoted to ensuring the universe always has Superman. Uh, Chris, I have not read doomsday clock even a little bit. Oh, I've read every gosh darn page. Yep. Christy has not read it either. <laughs> if it's DC and I have and I have not read it, it is generally assumed Christy has not read it either. Yes. <laughs> there are certain things that can happen in a comic that I think makes it a bad comic regardless of what else happens. Like there could be a hundred dollar bill stapled to the back cover. <laughs> and there are certain things that if it happens in a comic book, I'm gonna be like, nope, bad read. Do not purchase. <laughs> Uh, and Mary Marvel talking about Dr. Manhattan's uh, Ding Dang is on that list for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's no. not good. Th- thumbs way down. Yeah. I think Hypertime is... Do you like the Hypertime with Superman deal? I actually, like... There's, there's, there's two brilliant things in Doomsday Clock. Two unassailably brilliant things in Doomsday Clock. Like, Doomsday Clock is trash. Right. <laughs> But one, the last two might 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 uh, might wrap it all up. We don't know. Uh, the first brilliant thing is when is it's got the characters, the mime and the marionette, mm-hmm. who are uh, analogs for Punch and Julie. Uh, but you see their origin story, and the marionette's father made marionettes, and the mime's parents had a shop where they sold large panes of glass. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> sakes! Which is that's pretty brilliant. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other brilliant thing is that, like, and, and it's very, like, if you had not told me who it was, I would have guessed Morrison. It's the idea that, like, no, the universe makes Superman. Like, the universe, like, Superman is, like, the crucial piece of the universe. It is the universe's antibody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually do really like that. I I only know of it conceptually. I I kind of was interested in like the the nationalist superheroes, like for like a, a history where certain nations had certain superheroes. I'm kind of weak to that idea. Um, I feel like it's it's a it's it's from like Gundam stuff when I was a kid. But that's like that's a concept that I kind of liked. But I don't know why the Watchmen characters are in it. Who does? <laughs> Nobody at all. Um, would you like to read the next one, Christy? Uh-huh. I, I actually want to uh, read our J. Jonah Jameson question from at JJJ Bugle News. Oh, you guys have Character Corner, too. I think I think you maybe brought Character Corner with you. Um, we do have the one. We do not have um, we do not have Stone Cold HCC. Because that is an account that only exists to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax. <laughs> the only reason Twitter is good at all. <laughs> is this zero-hour nonsense responsible for everyone forgetting that I had an adopted daughter that became a spidered woman thanks to the Gathering of Five? <laughs> Chris, did this happen around the same time? I know you know about the Gathering of Five, a thing that somehow is... The Gathering of Five was later. Okay. Gathering of Five is circa chapter one, so I want to say 98, maybe? Uh, I cannot believe I have talked about the Gathering of Five. <laughs> I haven't talked about the Gathering of Five in 20 years. And then all of a sudden, 
in the past month, it has come up organically three times. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, this one yeah, was maybe five trying to. Yeah. I think maybe Jay Jonah was, knew you'd been talking about it. It was trying to bring it up again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Gathering of Five, if you don't know, is where Norman Osborn tried to become a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Comics are good sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, bring back Maddie Franklin. Uh, just justice for Maddie Franklin. Yeah. Um, question from Atlin Candescent. Why is it that Zero Hour doesn't seem like it's talked about as much as the other crises? Is? is it simply down to quality, or is there another factor? I feel like we've kind of... The quality is definitely not there for me. Um, I think it's also... It might be like it might be like a peanut butter problem. I feel like you get the one slice of bread of crisis, which was the first one that did a lot of stuff. But then we've had stuff since that tends to kind of be at the end. Um, in which case, I think everything in the middle maybe gets lost a little bit because you want to know about the first time the status quo has changed, mm-hmm. and you want to know about the the recent current stuff. One. But that's that's my theory. I feel like your your average person maybe just doesn't care what random continuity was ten years ago. Fair. Uh. I think that's a very fair assessment. But zero hour uh, is also bad. <laughs> yeah, zero hour is also quite bad. Um, but yeah, like it's because because zero hour is essentially like cr- crisis one point five. They do the right? same it's, thing. It's just like tidying up the Legion and the JSA, which are like leftover bits from Crisis. Because like the le- like. The first crack in in Crisis appears the month after Crisis ends, yeah. With Legion, and it's it, and that is where the Legion started to become a problem for uh, DC continuity. That's sad. I just I love the original Legions. <laughs> oh, they're very good. I love the Legion. Yep. Long live the Legion. Long live I say. the Legion. Okay. Do we want to do both questions from uh, Asimov's fangirl? Uh, I absolutely do. All right. As um, was, oh. First, uh, they'd like to wish uh, Chris a happy birthday. Happy belated Thank birthday. Thank you. And which uh, character do you think benefit from this reboot event? And which got it worse? I mean, certainly, like, Ted Knight, really. Like, Ted Knight becomes a very interesting character in Starman. Mm-hmm. Uh like i don't i don't know who who has a good who has a good zero hour <laughs> cuz like how jordan doesn't really come off no like like cuz he's at the end of the day he's like bumbling and like he gets shot in the chest by green arrow right. like green arrow kills him right after he had god powers yeah cuz they were in the same comic for like 6 months and so he's closer to me than any brother yeah. It's like I I don't know who comes out of this well. Wave Rider? Wave very Wave Rider, the new the newest one. Yeah. There's a really good story about all the Alfreds from the different continuities coming back <laughs> that happens in a Batman book. I think it's in Shadow of the Bat. Alan Grant writes it. It's uh pretty fun i think that hank hall kind of comes out the worst though i mean he was never that great to begin with you know when you are literally created as like supposedly the good character in a weird ideological battle between like violence and pacifism where the pacifist always seems terrible (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was never great to begin with, but he seems like such a doof after this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. And now the most important question. Yes. What do you snack while you read comics? I don't snack while I read comics because I either get stuff on my screen or I would get stuff on, on the pages. I, know, I feel like this is the second question where I'm like, I promise I eat food and I snack a lot. I'm just really messy about it. So I can't like do it while doing other things that aren't just like watching TV. Yeah, you're a Netflix snacker. Definitely. Definitely. Chris, do you have a comic book snack? Uh, not really. Um, I have uh, movie snacks. Are, of course. I do. <laughs> That's where my snack situation happens. <laughs> uh, I actually, like, uh, yesterday I did something that I haven't done in a while. Um, my wife is going back to grad school uh, to get her uh, master's in social work. It is uh, the uh, ranked number three social work program in the country. Only 70 people got in, and she was one of them. What? Congratulations. Congra- Say congrats to Aiden from us. I will. She uh, actually has her first day of class tomorrow. She's been doing orientation for the past couple of days. But uh, because it's grad school, she had homework for the first day of class. Yeah, you sure do. Uh, and so uh, I ended up going to th- – I didn't feel like cooking, so I went out to dinner by myself. And I did a thing that I used to do a lot when I was single, which is I sat in a Mexican restaurant and I read and uh, ate chips and uh, had my, my food. Which is a nice uh, little experience, because let me tell you, your boy loves a uh, a storefront Mexican restaurant. I do that, too. <laughs> Whenever Christy goes out of town, I generally eat at the Mexican restaurant with my tablet. Yeah. Last time I read a book about William, uh, Sir, uh, William Marshall, the greatest knight of all time. <laughs> uh, wait, w- William Marshall, like Blackula? Uh, no, 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 no. But why? That sounds pretty good. <laughs> He's he he's the actor. He he was considered the greatest Othello of his day. Uh, <laughs> right. I, it, in my case, it wasn't a comic this time, but it usually is. Yeah, that's. I guess I do. I do read comics when I eat out by myself. That's like the only time I do it. I went to Mongolian Grill when you and the boys were visiting your mom's once, mm-hmm. and like was reading the stuff that came out that week. <laughs> I read comics when I get a pedicure, which I guess is my equivalent. Ooh, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that that the one the one time I was able to go with you, I was like, yeah, okay. I just read it's, like yeah, twenty issues. Yeah, it's so relaxing. It's yeah. perfect. I'm always nervous about reading while I'm getting a pedicure because I also I always get a mani pedding. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and like, eventually I'll have to like put the tablet down, and then I'm just staring. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. I, 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 the time when I went with you, it was only feet. Oh yes. Uh, well, uh, readers, that's going to be wrapping up our zero hour coverage. It means that next time we're going to be covering an X Men book, which we have to figure out what X Men book we're going to cover. Mm, is it voting time for the Patreon? It is not yet? voting time oh. yet. Um. Anyway, Chris, thank you for coming on again on our podcast. You are um always a welcome guest, and it's always really great to have you on. Thank you for letting me just ramble on about the the nature of the dc universe in the 90s uh, and how it was perfect and beautiful because i was 16 <laughs> and, and didn't have problems yet uh no it's uh it is always fun even even if i have to read 
two issues of zero hour it was uh, always fun to be here and talk to you guys if you ever uh, come I, on again you can let us know what your very favorite one that you'd want to talk about and say nice things about would be uh i will no joke I would be happy to do DC 1 million. I love DC 1 million. I would probably need you on for DC 1 million. It's so good. I've read it and I feel like I didn't fully get it. I would need to read it again. Oh man, I can talk to you about the Corvette. (laughs) Yeah. It can generate uh, 16 million Kelvin units. I don't know if you know that. That's Corvette. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, DC 1 million. That's only a four issue. We can maybe do that in one episode. Um, well, <laughs> okay, not really. Well, it's four issues and also every issue of comics that DC Comics published that month. Yeah, that's And true. you do need to read. Here's what you need to read. Yes. Uh, JLA, Starman, uh, Martian Manhunter is worth reading. And like a couple of other ones are, are really good and you should read them. Yeah. Like Hitman is really good, but Hitman's an epilogue. Um, the Batman one is actually pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, like I'll, I'll if you if you want, I'll make you a reading list. Oh, Chris, for, uh, that would, oh, that would be so checklist, sweet. Checklist, checklist, yes. <laughs> yeah, collect them all. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Chris, is there any particular project or thing you'd want to talk about before we before we get the heck out of here? Uh, yeah, I do podcasts uh, of my own. Uh, I've got a bunch of them. Uh, there's one about comic books called War Rocket Ajax. Uh, that is a very fun show to do. It comes out every Monday. Uh, I also do a slightly irregular podcast. It's It kind of works out to being bi-weekly these days because we've both had a busy summer, but it's called Apocrypals. And it's uh, it's this podcast, but for the Bible. <laughs> it, it it honestly is. It's uh, one, of, one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun. Uh, I'm trying to remember the joke that, uh, the extremely weird deep cut comics joke that we made reading the, uh, Syriac infancy gospel today, but I cannot, unfortunately. You'll all just have to hear it when it's out. I don't think it's out yet, right? It is not. I have not edited it yet. So, uh, I also do a a podcast called Sailor Business, which is an episode by episode Sailor Moon podcast, and we're into the last season. Uh, and... Uh, I do one for Xena Warrior Princess too. So there's a bunch of them. You can just go to the-isb.com and uh, pick those up. Also, while you're there, you can read my comics and see me put my money where my mouth is on those. <laughs> yes. They're they're quite excellent. Um, I kind of have a, a project to hawk a little bit before we get before we start talking about where we are. Yeah. Um, so uh, the annotating project for House of X and Powers of Ten that my... Um, partner robert secundus and i have been working on for xavier files is now being hosted at polygon.com Ooh, congratulations thank you uh that 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 will be current as of this podcast but is um gonna go up this week Um, that's awesome i were we were like unbelievably stoked about it um the editor i think just like dm'd uh zach and was like hey we kind of want to put that up And we were like, yep, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so if you've liked Hoxpox Talks, the, the annotation project that Rob and I have been working on uh, at Xavier Files, it will now be hosted at Polygon.com. Same, the same great content, just in a different location. We are very excited about it. And we still, as of me talking right now, still have eight more issues to bring you. And uh, we will not go under 5,000 words. <laughs> What, two uh, more months of being a Hoxpox Talks widow for like several evenings. Uh, <laughs> <A> week. <laughs> people occasionally ask me uh, like where I get 
like where I go for comics news these days. And my, my usual answer is that I don't, <laughs> sure. but, uh, like literally the only, um, like comic stuff that I really like to read is, the, is the polygon comic stuff. So I'm very excited about that. Also, you, you call it powers of 10, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, I tweeted earlier this week. The I think the X is just always a ten, and I need just need to get used to that. <laughs> no, I. Like, here's the thing. I think you might be right. <laughs> I'm starting to think it's House of Ten too. Um, to, I, to be honest, <laughs> I went to. I get almost every comic I read digitally. Um, there's like, there's like two comics I get in print, and one of them is uh, Rolled and Told because I, which is less of a comic and more of like a role playing game yeah. book. Uh, which I like to have in print. I went. I, I did a signing at the uh the comic book store for their anniversary this week, and I told them to add uh Hoxbox to my sub. And I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm reading it digitally. I just want to be able to look at those charts on my desk all laid out. <laughs> yeah. I need. So to I feel the- like if I stare at them long enough, I'll figure out how Jonathan Hickman is so good. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's times where we, we we've got a private chat where we uh where we kind of chat out Hoxbox. Uh, I think I think there's 50 of those, by the way, uh, private chats where people talk about Hoxbox. <laughs> but we have one, and we'll just like say lines at each other and be like, "I'm just mad that he wrote this. Like, how is this so good?" <laughs> oh, it's we'll, we'll spend. Uh, oh, sorry. I Chris. literally texted my wife, and my wife was like, uh, "Hey, can you run my library book back?" Uh, and I was like, "Does it need to be done? <laughs> then it will be done." <laughs> That That's was... what Chris said when I when I said the bathrooms need to get cleaned. Yeah, you like I would love it if the bathrooms got cleaned this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's gonna be around forever. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I had said like I'm gonna say this a lot, Chris. I'm glad that yeah. we are we are kindred doofy husbands. <laughs> oh. She doesn't. Even, she has no idea why I said that, too, which is great. Oh, that is funny. She just thought I sent her a weird text today. <laughs> That's maybe better. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, yep. Yeah, so the going to be hosted at Polygon. We're all we're all like v- way more excited. We were we're like jumping out of our skin excited about it. But uh, if you want to be able to find us, Chris and Christy, uh, you can find us at Chris's Pod on Facebook and Twitter. You can always email us at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, uh, which we'll put in the show notes. And uh, we also have a Kofi for short donations of three dollars to thirty three dollars, or even higher than that. <laughs> Chris, thank you again for coming on. Uh, it is always so sweet of you to give give your time to come on this podcast and chat about us about things that we don't understand about the nineties. <laughs> of course, I will bill you at my uh, usual consulting rate. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.